Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Marked Safe. Tales of your very favorite and most beloved disasters. On Marked Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly and stay safe. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Marked Safe. So? Yeah? I think this is our last episode. It is. We're done. <laughs> we're, we can wrap it up now. Yep. We've peaked. We have peaked. Have we we've, peaked early? We've climaxed, we you have, could say. We have. Uh, mm-hmm. This past weekend, one of our favorite listeners, Heather Powers, got married. Congratulations. Congratulations. She was one of the first people to buy our uh, Binky Bit the Dinky merch, the pin. Amazing. Amazing. And she had posted in the Horrible Goals group a while back that she had asked her fiance if she could put the pin on her bouquet. And he said yes. I honestly, quite literally, I thought she was joking. But she wasn't. She wasn't fucking joking. She legit put it in her wedding bouquet. We were the something blue. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So this, this is it. We've, uh, you know, we've crested that big hill on the roller coaster of podcasting. We've peaked. We've climaxed. And I just don't know that there's anywhere to go from here. She posted a photo in the group, and I just wanted to kill over and die. Like, that's it for me. I don't need anything it, I else. I mean, there, no. There's what, – what are we doing this for now? <laughs> <sighs> oh, congrats. It makes my heart so happy. And I was being nosy. You guys look so <laughs> stunning. Your dress was perfection. Oh. I love seeing people's wedding pictures. Oh. Maybe she'll let us post the photo on our social that she put in the group. Heather, let oh, us God. know. Please, Heather. Are you are you on a honeymoon? Ooh, are you banging right now? Oh. Oh. <laughs> She's married. She's allowed. <laughs> Actually, fuck that. You're allowed whether you're married or not. What am I doing? <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? No. Smash the patriarchy. Fuck whoever you want. Fuck whoever you want. I'm not shaming on this podcast. <laughs> seriously that that was so cool we love it thank you it's amazing Um, you've made our lives honestly (laughs) yes and we want to hear all about it so come back come back to us did she leave oh like on her her potential honeymoon yeah i mean yeah we're just we're just writing this whole story here yeah yeah fuck it fuck it yolo yolo well now that we talked about some unity let's Mm -hmm. tear it all apart with this week's bracket. <laughs> <laughs> I have a surprisingly, I have surprisingly little controversy on this one. Really? I mean, I don't really have anything bad to say about either one. There were a lot of people mad about the matchup. Why? Tell me. They thought it would be too hard to choose between the two. It is tricky. And I know I might as well just address the elephant in the room. These are both very uh, coded songs for young trans people and very popular in that community and uh what a matchup man i, I don't know did, did you know that i did not i'm learning something it, new every day i was like how did she match this up like this why does she know this but you do 
somehow, and they are both definitely similar in that way. Oh, I mean, again, I haven't seen either movie. <laughs> okay, so well, it's Go the Distance from Hercules mm-hmm. versus I'll Make a Man Out of You from Mulan. Okay. Haven't seen Hercules or Mulan. But I listened to the songs. I mean, they're both good songs. I wish I had more shit to talk. I feel like I'm getting paid to talk shit and I'm not bringing it right now because they're both really nice. I just like the sound of Go the Distance more. It's a little bit more ballady and I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one's a little bit more, you know, sinister, I guess. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I like the ballady vibe. So I'm going to go with Go the Distance. Yes. I but, love it. Yeah. That. I mean, they're really similar songs and it was kind of difficult. You need to watch these movies, Brianne. Okay. You know, no, not you don't get to lecture me. I have a I'll lecture whoever I want. Have you ever even? (laughs) (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? I don't get to lecture you. Well, I'm not fucking listening. You'd never listen. No, it's true. I think that's why we're so perfect together. I know. We just run our mouths and nobody listens and it's fine. <laughs> Everybody else listens and sometimes they even pay us. We will be in therapy it's before beautiful. we know it. Oh, like together? Yeah. I mean, that's the goal, right? Is it? I don't know. I I don't think we're going to say the name of the podcast that did that. <laughs> no, I think I think at but the, some okay, point. I feel weird about it. We'll be together long enough where you just do that. Not for any bad reasons, just to. I don't. I don't feel like there's any truly good reason. I don't know. Very pro therapy, but I do feel like by the time two people are like, you know what, we need to go to therapy. There's almost always a major problem. Yeah, but we won't wait to that point. Are you trying to tell me right now we need to go to therapy? We need to go to therapy. No. No. (laughs) You know. Another podcast, a big one, arguably the biggest one, did that. And I think we talked about this before we even started that. I feel really weird about it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I feel really weird about it. Now, every time I listen to it, I'm like, what conflicts do you have? I do. I do. Like, I just want to. It's like, what is it? Because now I'm a podcaster. So I know like this relationship very intimately. And I'm like, what are you doing to piss each other off enough? That you clear time from your schedule to go have a fucking mediator once It a makes week. no sense, right? I... <sighs> it's gotta be something big. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. Okay, we're breaking our big rule about not talking about other podcasts. Well, well we won't name it. But, I mean, it's gotta Everybody be something knows. big. Everybody knows. Everybody <laughs> It's gotta be something big. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, personality incompatibility? But to go to therapy over that? Well, I mean, when you have an extremely lucrative empire together, and part of that empire is based on your personalities and on-air friendship, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I just think everybody should be their authentic selves, whether you get along or not. Yeah. So if I ever want to tell you to go fuck yourself, I'll do it in an episode. Yeah. And if I ever don't want to listen, I will in an episode. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I have to. I've got these big-ass headphones on. Well, but you, I mean, you have to hear, but you don't have to listen. I'll just zone you out. Yeah. Just just hit me with an I do not receive that. Do you know about I do not receive that? No. Okay. It. We need to, because there's a lot about you that I don't receive. Um, remember Elise Myers? Yes. Okay. So 
She did a TikTok recently about the power of I do not receive that. And basically, she had had a customer somewhere who was, you know, being a member of the public, being generally a asshole. And she just responded with, I do not receive that and just walked away. And I've been using that relentlessly. I, I don't, I don't receive that. Hmm. No. And then it's done. You just, they throw you a ball of hostility and you simply gingerly, politely toss it back and walk away. <laughs> I love that a it's lot. It's not yours. You didn't ask for this. You don't receive it. No. Angel kisses down my throat. I don't receive them. Uh, yet. No, I'll never receive them. So yeah, we, this is our pledge that if I want to tell you to fuck off, I'll do it on air. And if you want to not receive that, you can do that on air. Okay. I do not receive you not wanting angel kisses down your throat. Okay. You can't just reverse Uno at Melanie. Yes, I can do it whatever I want. <laughs> That's not how this works. <laughs> You're not the boss of me. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to our podcast, The Capricorner. I am Lynn. And I am Destiny. And we are two Capricorns destined to meet and linked by the same birthday. On our lifestyle podcast, you'll hear about dating, relationships, pop culture, and psychology. Capricorn style, of course. We highlight our different upbringings and life experiences and compare our thoughts on questionable subjects. So get ready for a challenge to your mental fitness and copious controversy. Listen for new episodes on Tuesdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or click the link in the description. I am, though. Remember, I'm the top. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. There we go. Should we get into this? Probably. <laughs> Once again, I have no fucking clue what you're doing. Okay. I'm always so scared we're going to get to this point and you're going to be like, what? It's your week. <laughs> I will have forgotten. We've been close on that before. Yeah. So we have both talked about possibly doing this. So I kind of snatched it. Okay. This week's episode comes from a long Overdue listener suggestion from Evan Barnes. I'm intrigued. Okay. Nothing takes on a life of its own, quite like college sports and their traditions. <gasps> Do you know what it is? Uh-huh. <laughs> is is it is it a hot one? It's not hot. I mean it's hot, but it doesn't get hot. What? Mm. Is there a fucking fire melody? <laughs> okay. So this is good because you didn't look into it too too hard, right? No, not at all. Okay, good. All right. All right. Okay. As the old adage goes, everything is bigger in Texas. And one of these college sports traditions was so big, it made the Guinness Book of World Records. It's Texas A&M's annual Aggie Bonfire. Okay. The first Aggie bonfire was lit on the morning of November 18th, 1907, after the football team won a game. It wasn't fancy or anything, basically just a heap of trash that the students burned. Two years later, in 1909, the bonfire was moved on campus grounds, and it soon took shape as the annual celebration of the rivalry game between Texas A&M and the University of Texas around Thanksgiving. Quote, the bonfire symbolizes two things, a burning desire to beat the team from the University of Texas 
and the undying flame of love that every loyal Aggie carries in his heart for the school. Wow. <laughs> it's that deep, huh? Oh, it it's deep. These wow. a- these Aggies, they don't mess around. They do not mess around. Okay. The tradition grew in both sides and spectators over the years. It wouldn't be until President Kennedy's assassination in 1963 that the bonfire would not be lit for the first time since its inception in 1907. The completed bonfire made that year was dismantled instead of being lit. Yale leader Mike Marlowe said, it is the most we have and the least we can give. Wow. The bonfire structure kept growing and growing. And in 1969, the Aggie bonfire structure reached an incredible height of 109 feet for scales. That's two ultra sources and a trench coat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. I've missed dinosaur measurements. Texas A&M decided that some things are, in fact, too big and enforced a max height requirement of up to 55 feet. So now we're down to one ultrasaurus. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 100 feet. That's terrifying. Yes. How is that possible? Just 100 feet. It's just flames. Like, wow. I mean, that's like 10 stories, isn't it? Yeah. Fuck. The new 55-foot restrictions didn't stop the Aggie bonfire from becoming recognized as the tallest bonfire in the world by the Guinness Book of World Records in the 1970s. That record now belongs to the 2016 Elson Midsummer Bonfire that stood 155 and a half feet tall in Norway. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine that. That's that's like terrifying. It is terrifying. I don't want to be. I mean, I have two big trees in my front yard that I'm just waiting for them to be toppled. You never know which direction they're going to go. Can you imagine like. Wondering where your no flaming tower of fire is going to land? No. No, thank you. That's scary. hmm As time passed, the event became more and more organized, and by 1978, the bonfire took on the shape of a wedding cake. Between September and October, student crews would start cutting logs, usually from land that needed to be cleared by the owner. And when I say student crews... Just note that these students were exclusively male in most of the history of this bonfire. Um, Okay. The females were there to serve refreshments. Oh, Jesus. Okay. By early November, 10-foot logs would be stacked vertically around a center pole made from two telephone poles wedged and glued together and then wrapped in about 700 feet of cable. Oh, my God. This is terrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. This is insanity. It is insanity. Pulleys and cables were attached to the center pole to allow students access to the stacks of logs as they assemble into tiers. Once the first layer was completed, the tops would be leveled off so they were all the same height. And the construction would begin on the next level, then the next, and so on, until it looked like a giant wooden wedding cake. I mean, it literally looks like a wedding cake. Like, should I look it up or should I not? No, do it. Okay, hold on. Oh, yeah, it sure does. It sure does. Bananas, right? That is that is terrifying. Too much work. It is a lot of work. Terrifying. And also, calm it down. <laughs> what, what are we doing? I, I don't, I can't relate to this. In mid-November, a race to complete the bonfire structure. It's called Push Week, and students, on top of their studies, 
would pull all-nighters to get it finished. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. This is too much. This is stupid. It's tradition. No. Tradition needs to calm it the fuck down. This is is out of hand. In its final stage, for 24 hours, seven days a week, the Aggie bonfire was under active construction. And you can't have a wedding cake without a topper. A bright orange Texas Longhorn outhouse, known as the TUT room or the frat house, was placed on the tippy top with a crane. Every year, alumni would steal an Austin City Limit sign to toss in the bonfire (laughs) that would take an estimated 700 gallons of diesel fuel to light. Oh, my God. Eventually, the Texas Department of Transportation, or TDOT, (laughs) told them to knock it the fuck off. Like, stop stealing our signs for your fucking bonfire. Yeah, like, (laughs) they must just be... I mean, do you think they just preemptively order replacement every year before the bonfire i'm sure and you know the price of those things are surprisingly expensive really i can't say that i've ever looked into that yeah i've done some sign stealing back in my day oh and you've had to replace it is this why you got kicked out of australia no this was in kentucky (laughs) of course it was (laughs) (laughs) that could only be in kentucky really no or texas we were my brother and I were curious, so we did kind of look up what the cost of replacing those were. Do you remember roughly at all? I can't remember, but it was a sticker shock yeah, for sure. It was a lot. I'm okay. like, oh, we probably should knock that off. <laughs> How often did you do it? Uh, often enough that it was like a thing that you had to. Good God. Yeah. So there was this one time. <laughs> I'm enjoying the stories about your brother, by the way. <laughs> there was, um, there was, they were doing some road construction. They were widening the highway that we lived off of because there was just constantly accidents. They had one of those flagger head signs. You know, it's just the orange diamond with the little, the guy. Yeah. And I told my mom, I was like, I need to borrow your van. And she's, no, you're not going to borrow my van while you need my van. I was like, well, I want this sign. I was like, it's okay. I'll have Jacob help me. And she's like, no, no, no. She's like, I'll drive. Oh, (laughs) okay. That took a turn. (laughs) So we go down the street and we didn't realize how huge this thing was. Like it wouldn't fit in the back of the van. So we literally, she's like driving off like really fast before we even have it in and sparks are flying all over the place. Oh my God. And we dragged that thing like probably six, seven blocks back to the house. Okay. Can I, can we, can we get a petition started for your memoir? (laughs) This is my memoir. It's the audio diary. Oh, okay. I like it. But I had that thing for for years whatever happened to it i don't know i should should call my sister because i think my brother kept it for a long time like after i moved out if it still exists you should put it in the demon room i should (laughs) i don't know transporting that over state lines i mean it's still oh my god you'll be fine don't be a wuss should i like say this is all a lie in case authorities are listening no go get her (laughs) All right. It was business as usual when a student crew of 58 
work through the night on the already four-layer-high Augie bonfire on November 18, 1999. But at around 2.30 that morning, the bottom stack, quote, began to groan and creak like a door opening in a horror movie. I am so tired of groaning and creaking. (laughs) (laughs) Just in this podcast, not in my personal life. Well, I was just thinking, like, that's my body right now. My body just groans and creaks. Because we're fucking haunted houses. Our bodies bodies aren't temples. They're haunted houses. Our bodies are haunted houses. Mine is. I mean, knowing what I know about your butthole, I'm sure so is yours. (laughs) What followed was a thunderous pop. No. No. And with students on all four tiers, the center's pole snapped in three places, the tiers collapsing into each other. Oh, fuck. On the ground, Colin Zasik watched in horror as the structure collapsed. He said, I saw people jumping and trying to get away. I saw some crushed to death in less than a second. We all froze in shock as if we had been turned to stone. Fuck. Because the university's emergency medical service was at the scene when the collapse occurred, they immediately began to triage the injured bonfire workers and to assist with the rescue effort. At 2.43 a.m., 911 calls started pouring in. First responder Darren Allen said that there was a deafening quiet at the scene, and the first firefighters to arrive at the incident were, quote, confronted with a scene eerily reminiscent of the children's game of pickup sticks. Oh, that's dark. It was dark, too. When the bonfire structure collapsed, it also knocked over the lighting that was set up for the crews to build through the night. So as soon as it collapsed, like awful, all the lights were gone. The rescue mission would now have to rely on flashlights and headlamps to search for victims. First responder vehicles were parked facing the broken structure. Their headlights used to help illuminate the rescue efforts. It was established pretty early on who had been lost in the collapse. Fortunately, the bonfire construction process had a strict accountability system in place. And so there was a list of who was working on the structure when it fell, which kudos to those fucking students. Yeah. A temporary morgue was set up on site and three buses were placed around it to shield the deceased from the public view. Every single funeral home in the community was called to be on site. The rescue and recovery mission was tedious because of the stability of the collapse structure. As logs were being removed, some emergency crew members were hoisted above the collapse in a ladder basket to look for more victims. But there were a growing fear that the logs could potentially collapse even more onto anyone who may have survived and were hidden in the rubble. A decision was made to stop removing logs with heavy machinery. They would have to be removed one by one and by hand. The response for the call to help was incredible. Students, the entire Texas A&M football team, and many members of the university's Corps of Cadets all joined in to help remove the logs by hand. Everyday students were instantly becoming heroes. I still just feel like as soon as... They switched to that, you know, 
no more machinery, everything by hand mentality. I just feel like at that point, it almost becomes a recovery mission. Yeah. It, I mean, it slows it down, but yeah, I, it really was like pickup sticks is, you know, you lift one up. I mean, it, it's like a puzzle. Yeah. So I don't know. It's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. I could not imagine seeing this thing came in like that. No. Word of the bonfire collapse spread quickly. And within hours, the media was on site reporting on it. The scene, once described as having a deafening quiet, was now consumed with noise. And when you're desperately searching for survivors within the wreckage, this is obviously counterproductive. The downdraft from news helicopters stirred up so much dust on the scene that finally enough was enough. Just after 9 o'clock that morning, the FAA authorized a no-fly zone for three nautical miles. Can you imagine you're just trying to fucking rescue these people and you just, like, are having, like, a dust storm from fucking a helicopter? No. It's not that important. We don't have to see everything. Nope. Nope. And I don't think we think nearly often enough about how often rubbernecking is probably hurting an actual rescue mission. There's not many times where rubbernecking is good. I mean, how many times yeah. you see people driving down the street, they see a car accident, and all of a sudden they're in the pileup too. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. Mind your business. Keep it moving or you might get a real good look at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then there was a call for absolute and complete silence for 45 minutes while listening devices were used to find survivors. Oh, they just did that in an episode of 911 recently. Really? Yeah. Well, I think I'm I behind. I, well, I'm really behind. It was the one where the guy got buried alive. I'm behind. Yeah. Rescuers were successful in moving two live victims from the stack. The last one being removed was John Comstock. Seven and a half hours after the collapse. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what those seven and a half hours must have been like? Mm-mm. Mm. John was on the fourth tier, um, which was... Okay, so remember I was telling you about this max? This, this max? The max height, the 55? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they went back and remeasured. It was actually already at 59. Eesh. And was going to be up to 75. Like, they were they were clearly pulling a fast one. Yikes. I bet that happened a lot. John was on the fourth tier, about 45 feet up when it collapsed. And he was pinned by the logs that had toppled on top of him. They could not get an oxygen mask to John. So they simply just inserted the tube into a small crevice as they worked to free him. Hmm. He was awake the entire ordeal but would fall into a coma shortly after being removed from the collapse. John's mother said that when she first saw her son, quote, he was swollen beyond normal limits. Oh, that's an unsettling way to put it. The collapse took the lives of 12 people and John's life now hung by a thread. He would undergo three surgeries, narrowly surviving each one. By the last surgery, things looked grim and Texas A&M, this fucking blows my mind. Texas A&M drafted a press release announcing John's passing. Uh, but he hadn't passed? Yes. I mean, they didn't release it, but they drafted Ugh. it. They had to have it ready. That's, Ew, though. That's how close he was 
to dying. But the idea of... We don't talk enough about injuries. No. But the idea of someone drafting a press release about Mm -hmm. you dying, I feel like that's putting, like, a lot of bad negative stuff out into the universe. Yeah, that doesn't set right at all. Oh, did you ever see um, the People magazines after Betty White died? No. I don't know how common this was, but... You know, she died right before she turned uh, 100. 100. Yes. Yeah. Um, I went to a Walgreens right after that, and there was a People magazine, and the cover was like, Betty White turns 100, interview with the famous star, whatever. Oh, no. Yeah. And I mean, it was on the shelves. It was like the Betty White's 100 thing, and had not, it had still been released. That's fucking weird. And I thought that was just wild. That's fucking weird. I'll send you a picture of it. I think the only time something like that is appropriate, like the Super Bowl, where they automatically print out, you know, the winning T-shirts with both teams. So they're ready yeah, to sell. Yeah, that's different. But like, that's different. I mean, nobody is. Yeah. Not with different. like people's existence. Let's not do that. No. Mm-mm. I'm about to send you this magazine cover, by the way. Let's see this. Oh, no. Yeah. I was like, oh, yikes. <laughs> Funny never gets old. No, but it does get dead, I guess. Fucking hell, people. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Betty White. Oh, Betty White. What a legend. Pour one out for her. On January 2nd, John came out of his coma. <gasps> Yay. Yeah. Oh, man. He would suffer lifelong injuries, including the loss and use of his right hand and the amputation of his left leg. Mm. Lindsay Leapman, anchor for the KXXV-TV, said, if you think about it, John spent more time in the hospital his freshman year than he did in class. It's sad. That's that's rough. What a freshman year. Mm. I just feel like that, I mean, obviously that sets the tone for your whole high school career. John would go on to keep the copy of that press release. As a reminder of how short life can be. Fuck, that's intense. On November 25th, 1999, the date that the bonfire would have burned, Aggies instead held a vigil and remembrance ceremony. Over 40,000 people lit candles and observed up to two hours of silence at the site of the collapse. The fall- what is up to Hold on. What does up to two hours of silence mean? Well, I don't know if you had to take a break. And talk? Well, what if you had to use the bathroom? I suppose. I don't know. I feel like there's the phrasing makes me feel like there's a story there. Well, I think maybe people came, did their remembrance, oh, okay. and maybe didn't the, their stay. Their little trickle in, trickle out thing. Right. Okay. I don't, okay. I think that's probably what that is. I'm with you now. The following day, the University of Texas in Texas AM played their annual football game at Kyle Field in College Station, Texas. During halftime, the Texas Longhorns band played Amazing Grace for the fallen victims of the Aggie Bonfire collapse. Following afterwards, the fighting Texas Aggie band formed a silent T formation that moved quietly across the field. I'll post this video. It is like, it's crazy because that stadium is stacked, obviously. I mean, they just went through this horrible thing. Um, nothing pulls out a crowd like a like a tragedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
But that whole band, it's just like the letter T. And it's just quiet. It gives me goosebumps. It is so eerie. Texas A&M would have a bittersweet victory over the rivals, winning 20 to 16. Damn. That is bittersweet. I don't I don't know how I feel about the fact that the game went on. How do you feel about that? So these communities are very, very tight knit and very close. Yeah. I think when you go through something like that, you need some sort of normal. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it was this really fucked up a lot of people. Oh, I'm sure. I don't know. I know for me. You know, I would want that, that just, it's not really a break because it's still so close to it, but I, yeah. I think it, I don't know. I'm just like, if I died in something, I guess it's because I don't care about sports culture at all. So I don't have the sentimentality that somebody else might have. But I'm like, if you were like building something, you probably shouldn't have been building for something. And then I died in it. And you're going to just do the thing anyway? I don't know. I don't know. I see for me, if I was building something, if I... Like, you need to take a break and cry about me a little bit longer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, just on the flip side of that, if I just lost lost my life building something to celebrate this game, and then you fucking canceled the game, (laughs) like, what was the fucking point? Play the fuck. But if it's a good game, it was worth it. Kick the ball. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I think you could go either way with it. I mean, we're all different, you know? Yeah. Are we? We are. It's okay. (laughs) I love you. The disaster completely consumed the community with grief. A tradition for 90 years has now claimed the lives of 12 young people. How? I, my question is, how did it take that long? Mm. Quote, unlike an airplane crash, the bonfire had no black box. It did not even have a blueprint, nor did it have professional supervision. It was a product of craft rather than science, built according to the methods that were passed on by word of mouth from one year's group to the next. In hindsight, the more that is known about the history of the bonfire, the way it is built, and the mythology that surrounds it, the less the collapse seems like a freak accident and more it seems like an accident waiting to happen. Yep. Lifelong Aggie, Teddy Hirsch, agreed with the sentiment. He said, you hear people say, we've been building this bonfire for 90 years and this is the first catastrophe. Well, it's not so. The design is only 20 years old and the center pole has fallen twice in six years. Yikes. Remember they changed the design up yes. to make it look like a wedding cake? It's new. Yes. It's yeah. And it's not going so well. Mm-mm. Oof. Texas A&M University paid 1.8 million dollars for an independent special commission to investigate the collapse. The commission was assisted in their inquiry by a number of experts as well as staff from the university. They discovered that a number of factors led to the disaster. It determined the collapse was caused by, quote, excessive stress on the lowest of the bonfire's four wedding cake-like layers. The stress was accelerated by excessive wedging of logs from the second stack into the gaps of the lowest. 
So like you have like makes sense. You have like your bottom cakes all like you know scooped up together, Mm -hmm. combined, and all of a sudden you you, it's gonna pop if you keep on adding more stuff in there eventually. Yeah. The lowest stack also had inadequate wiring to hold it together. A few of the wires used on the logs began breaking. Support on the southeast side weakened. Guy wire snapped. Logs fell into gaps, and the third and fourth level logs shifted, sending the entire structure to the ground. Mm. The fact that something this enormous is being assembled by students, college kids with no oversight in this, yeah, it, it's oh, it's alarming. It also found the logs were standing too vertically. I mean, they're straight up and down, and the ground had a slope. Oof. Leo Limbeck Jr., the Houston construction executive who headed the panel, said the physical failure and causal factors were driven by an organizational failure. This failure, which had its roots in decisions and actions by both students and university officials over many years, created an environment in which a complex and dangerous structure was allowed to be built without adequate physical or engineering controls. Mm, that's, That's brutal and true. Naturally, lawsuits followed the disaster, but who was liable? While the bonfire was built on campus, the tradition was, in fact, student-led. Victims' families wanted Texas A&M to take accountability, but claims against Texas A&M officials kept getting dismissed. In 2005, 36 of the 64 original defendants settled their portion of the case for an estimated $4.25 million paid by their insurance companies. Then, in 2008, a $2.1 million settlement was announced between Texas A&M and several families of those killed and injured in the tragedy. Following the announcement of the settlement, Texas A&M released a statement saying, quote, While the university has actively contested the claim that the university employees were legally responsible for the deaths and injuries that occurred as a result of the bonfire collapse, the university deeply regrets the loss of life and the injuries that occurred on its campus. Again, the university extends its condolences and continued sympathies to all the victims of the tragic event, as well as their friends and family. What do you think about that? I think it's very carefully worded. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? It's just so hard. Like, do you think they're liable? Mm, kind of. I. Gosh. I mean, it's on their property. I mean, there's there there's a difference between like moral culpability and legal culpability. Yeah. And I I bet they're not really legally culpable. But see, but then I think about if I invite some my kids friends to come over and play at my house yeah. and they get hurt me and my homeowner's insurance are on the fucking hook for that kid yeah but i mean this happened on their property. they were adults technically they were mostly i mean probably not all adults but mostly adults <sighs> i yeah i mean ultimately i think that they they have some culpability it's such a sure. gray area yeah, but I mean, you know it was encouraged. Right, I mean... And my question, I don't know if you've already... Maybe you addressed this and I missed it, but I don't feel like you did. Where did they get the materials for this? 
So they would they would go to like farming properties, like someone needs their land cleared. Okay. So okay. they would just be like, "Oh, you guys can have my wood." Okay. Yeah, you did say that. Okay. I do think I think I saw somewhere like at one point, like um, in the beginning, they were like stealing shit. Okay, because I was like, if anybody's paying money for this and any of that is coming from the college, that that would change things completely. Obviously, no, it was all like donated. Okay, it's such a gray area. It is. It is. The twelve victims that lost their life in the Aggie Bomb fire collapse were Christopher David Breen, Christopher Lee Hurd, Miranda Denise Adams, Jerry Don Self, Michael Stephen Ebanks. Brian Allen McLean, Jamie Lynn Hand, Lucas John Kimmel, Chad Anthony Powell, Timothy Doran Curley Jr., Nathan Scott, and Jeremy Richard Frampton. A memorial was built and dedicated in the exact location of the collapse five years later. The memorial is in the shape of the bonfire. Mm. It is, it's massive. This is one of the largest memorials I think I've come across since doing this wow evan who suggested this episode um she actually goes to texas a&m and that's cool yeah and so i actually messaged her because she had mentioned in her post that they hold a service for the victims every year yeah and she was gracious enough to share us uh with us what that entails really yeah so here she is stay with us we'll be right back in space, no one can hear you scream. Unless you have a podcast. It's Space Castle! Join three nerds. I'm DT. I'm Alex. And I'm Seth. As they hurtle through space, debating movies, books, games, and answering your pop culture questions. All to maintain their own sanity. Space Castle, your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. Available wherever pods are casted. Okay. Hey guys, my name is Evan and I actually go to Texas A&M, class of 2025. And I'm so glad you guys are covering this topic because out of all of our traditions here, uh, the Bonfire Memorial is definitely my favorite to go to every year. It happens the same day, November 18th, when the Bonfire Memorial collapsed in 1999. We all gather at the memorial site, and the memorial site is actually the location where the bonfire collapsed. And it's so surreal that you know that you're standing on the grounds that 12 people lost their lives, 12 people that are just like us, like us college students, and that it could happen to anybody, but... You go at 2.42 a.m. and you have a moment of silence, one minute for every fallen Aggie. And after your 12 minutes of silence, the Texas A&M Corps of Cadets comes out and they shoot 12 rounds into the sky with their rifles. Um, That's a Texas A&M tradition. You fire a round for every life that is lost. And every year the families come out and remind everybody of the victims and the lives that they led before that day. And one of my favorite stories is by Christopher Lee Hurd's father. And every year he points out a young guy to come up and ask how old he is. 
And the guys, you know, mostly say 18, 19, 17. And he always says, I just want you guys to remember that my son is frozen at the age you are at now. And that you should live every day for my son because he never got the chance to fully experience becoming an Aggie. And that always hits home to all of us college students because it really can be any of us at any point. Wow, what a good interview. Or, you know, what a what a good source. That, I was just, when she said, I was like, did you go? I need more information. She sounds strikingly like my sister. Like, her voice is identical to my sister's. It's very, very calming. Unsettling. Yeah. Evan, thank oh you so gosh. much. Thank for, you so much, I mean, Evan. We could talk about this stuff all day long. Um, it hits a little bit different when it's, you know, a part of your community. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. So to kind of get that little bit of insight, we are very grateful for that. Yeah. And man, the thing about you should live for my son, that is heavy. Heavy. Heavy, that heavy. Is heavy. Part of me is like, is that really fair to put on them like that? But then the other part is like, I mean, you got to start appreciating your mortality at some point. Yep. it It's going to come for you eventually. Mm-hmm. So fair enough. Quote, the bonfire memorial comprises three sections, each evoking a particular aspect of the Aggie bonfire, tradition, history, and spirit. Amongst the features are bronze portals for the 12 who were killed in the collapse. The portals are engraved with three memorial elements, a portrait, his or her signature, and a written reflection. The bonfire remained on hiatus after the collapse in 1999. They were just like, eh, no. Yeah. But in 2002, Texas A&M students continued the tradition with an annual unsanctioned off-campus bonfire on a much smaller scale. John, the last survivor pulled from the 1999 collapse, said, my main concern is I would never want to see somebody have to go through what I went through. But I am pro-bonfire, and I want to see the tradition continue as long as it can be done safely. Mm. Man, I feel like I don't know about that, but then I feel like I have absolutely no business having an opinion if that's his opinion. <laughs> so I saw. I guess I'm just going to shut the fuck up for once. I saw, you know, he, I did see an interview where John had said that he would even like to light it. You know, he had worked oh. so hard and lost so much with that collapse that he would just, wow. I think it would be like, I don't know. I took it as like cathartic. maybe closure, maybe. Yeah. I could see that being very cathartic. I don't know. Yeah. So it's, they're still doing it. It looks like they do a lot of donations for, it's definitely smaller. I think when um, the pandemic hit, they did a virtual one. Oh, wow. <laughs> but that was super not the same. No. But yeah. Wow. I'm glad you covered that. I've wanted to hear that for so long. Yeah, I, I mean, she sent that in a long, long time ago. Yeah, people think, I bet, that if they don't hear their request soon, they're never going to hear their request, but they don't know. It's not true. That we are. I, I mean, it, the, the second request we ever got when we started this two years ago, and whatever someone suggested in the Horrible Ghouls group today, absolutely fair game. Yeah. <laughs> you you don't know. It's, we don't know. I dress with my mood. It's the same with podcasting. Mm-hmm. I pick yeah. my topics based off mood. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
That was amazing. Thank you. I love that. I especially love that you got um, someone to talk to us. Yeah. That's special. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, Evan. You ready for some disaster relief? Yes. Did you just pour out your bucket? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who's going to go first? I can go first. Okie dokie. Mine is my old body. Your old, creaky, haunted, groaning body. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite little buddy, my son Josie, turned four yesterday. Oh, you said buddy, not body. No, at first I said body. Okay. I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. Okay. But my buddy with a young body turned four. <laughs> okay. Happy birthday, Josie. And we had the most epic water balloon fight <gasps> ever. Yes. We did a capture Tell the flag slash water balloon fight. We divided into two groups. We had two captains. We did shuffle it around a little bit because, you know, people wanted to win and it was getting a little competitive. Um, <laughs> but you had to capture the other, the the whole name of the game was to capture the other opponent's flag and run to the safety zone. But if you got hit with a water bottle, you had to put the flag back and respawn. Oh, oh. So you okay. know those bunch of balloons? Have you ever gotten them? Yes, I have gotten them. I fucking love them, but I also hate them. Me too. Because they go so fast. Okay, that's not my reason. I have found that with those, I mean, you have to hit somebody hard enough to murder them to pop it. You're doing something wrong. You must be filling them up wrong. I don't know. I've heard this from other people. (laughs) Maybe we're all doing the same thing wrong. It's possible. Maybe I'll do a tutorial. Do it. Do it. Well, with us, they go so fast. You know, my kids will like hoard them. You've got a bunch of kids. I got a bunch of kids. Sometimes a hundred balloons is just not enough. No. But we did the whole you get one balloon. If you got hit, you have to respawn. And we wound <laughs> up playing with that bunch of balloons for like two hours. And now I'm fucking tired. My body hurts. I bet you are. Your old creaky haunted body. Yeah. But Josie had the best birthday ever. Um, it's so fun. You made some chicken wings that made me uncomfortable. Well, that's why he wanted chicken wings and macaroni and cheese and you gave me a wonderful tutorial on how to make the macaroni and cheese so you're gonna do it now the right way i mean i might you should did i have an opinion on the whole wets dries thing that was so long ago that was like in the very beginning like people will just fucking willy-nilly make their macaroni and cheese with these little dust balls and i hate it (laughs) oh we yeah we did talk about that what was my perspective on that I think no, you were pro dust balls. I mean, really, I'm anti dust. Like, I don't like the kind of macaroni and cheese, like craft mac and cheese that has powder in it. I like if that's I'm why make you gotta whisk mac- the wets before you put it back in the new news. Listen, I'm gonna whisk your wet, Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me with a good time. <laughs> oh God. What's your disaster relief? My disaster relief is going to be, you're going to get mad. Oh. Do you already know? No. Okay. I had pizza with crab on it. Oh, I do. It was really good. (laughs) Okay. First of all, 
If it has white sauce, it's not pizza. Okay. It's theoretically, cheesy bread. I know. Yes. No. I don't feel like people are going to agree with you on this, but with the Melanie stands, you can't predict. Listen, I don't – whatever you sent was fine. I would eat that, but it is not pizza. Okay. It was like – It's not cheesy bread. Did it have white sauce? Yes, it had white sauce. It's not pizza. Uh, oh, well, tell okay, me about it. your fake pizza. I'll listen. But okay. I am not receiving it. Melanie. You made me you this way. Early. You taught me this. I I taught. Are you Adelaide? Because you sound <laughs> like her today. <laughs> it had. Uh, it had Alfredo sauce. A very delicious Alfredo sauce is the base, and then it had mozzarella cheese, and then it was supposed to have Roma tomatoes, but they didn't put it on there. And they forgot. Pun- they forgot, or maybe they didn't forget, and they just fucking hated me. I don't know. And it had fresh garlic and pine nuts and lump crab. Listen, it sounds glorious. It's not pizza. <sighs> I I don't. Have we talked about pineapple on pizza? It's got red sauce. It's pizza. Does barbecue sauce count? Nope. It's technically red. No. You have no rebuttal to this, do you? It's brown. You are short-circuiting over there because there is no good rebuttal. It's brown. It's not red. Melanie. Who puts barbecue sauce on their pizza? People who like Hawaiian pizza. No. It often has a barbecue sauce. My. A lot of times it'll have ham and pineapple. No. Listen, my husband will only eat hawaiian pizza it's his favorite but it still has red sauce you acting like you don't know where barbecue sauce goes on pizza because his hawaiian pizza has red sauce not barbecue sauce that's weird i think no it's not hold on Uh, you know what hold on this is this is google happened hawaiian pizza recipe let's see how this usually works Okay, well, the first one does admittedly say pizza sauce, mm-hmm. but they don't all. There's no way. I mean, if somebody's trying to be like, I don't know, like different, like, Ooh, look at me, I'm putting barbecue sauce on my pizza. I'm so fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I personally have no strong opinion about it, but I do feel like it's a well-known food that a lot of people eat. Not on pizza. I don't agree. And I don't receive this. Maybe on some pulled pork. Yeah, that too. I love pulled pork. I should make that more. That's what she said. It's a, what? <laughs> <laughs> Look. We need to go to bed. No, we have Patreons. Okay. All right. So... Oh, I got a mail off my butthole to your mom. Okay. Got those taken. Have you you took pictures? Pictures. You took your butthole yep. pictures. They're okay. in an envelope. I haven't even gotten to see them yet. Are you going to send it to me? I'll send them to you for sure. Okay. Thank you. I think I deserve that at this point. But yeah, but we got some new Patreons. We got a grip of them actually. Really? Yeah. Okay. So we have Mora Reinhardt. It's M-A-U-R-A. Mora Mara. Mora. I would take that to be Mora. Mora. It's really beautiful. Mora, let me know if I'm saying it right. I'll give you a redo. <laughs> you love redo. Um, your buddy is Kellyanne Parnell. We know her. 
We do. We know her as Kelly. She is mm-hmm. um, our superhero vet lady. Yeah, we love we, love, we her. love her. Yeah, and we love her whole staff, and we want to say hi to them. Hi, staff. We found out that they listen to us during surgery, and I personally love that. <laughs> it's so fucking cool. Yeah, when I was a tech, there. I mean, I guess podcasts existed, but it wasn't. It it wasn't a thing like it is now at the fuck all. Um, but man, I cannot imagine how nice that would have been if we could have agreed on a podcast and played a podcast during surgery. That would have made the day so much better. We always had one asshole's music that everybody else hated. It gets old. It's not good. A podcast would have changed my life. It would have changed everyone's life. So probably eats barbecue sauce on its pizza. Listen, you, you have problems (laughs) with food. And you need to deal with them. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Um, this next one's going to be a group of three. Oh, damn. We have Danny Johnson, Stephanie Harper, and Sarah E. Shirk, who sent me a they message. Abs- hmm? I was going to say they absolutely sound like people who would sit together and they have to. Yes. Sarah, you're the first person ever to tell me how to say your last name. So I am right now going to give you a curtsy and say thank you so much because that is super helpful (laughs) um she also messaged and said i will make my next blood donation in honor of my buddy Yay! so that's why i give you two buddies you deserve we're gonna drain you (laughs) yes that's hot yes we're gonna drain you she said she hasn't joined the group yet so i don't know what you're waiting for get your ass in there yeah, so we can talk about draining you like the sexy vampires that we are yeah if you're if you're listening you should be and you're on Facebook, I get it's for old people now. So if you're not on it, that's fine. But if you're on Facebook, join our Horrible Ghouls group. We talk about so much fun stuff in there. It is literally called Horrible Ghouls. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. Hard to find. Yep. So those are your buddies. Go donate blood. Go donate food. Go donate, go donate kidney. A, a kidney. A kidney or two. Or two. Or three if you have an extra. It's going to drain you of all your body stuff. Okay, I think you're getting way too excited. <laughs> I think you're getting a little, a little it's, worked up here. It's late. I better go to bed. Yeah, before you hurt somebody. All right. Sweet dreams or no dreams? Sweet dreams or no dreams. <laughs> hey, Horrible Ghouls. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your personal Mark Safe moment, you can send it to us at marksafepodcast at gmail.com. Please give our podcast a rate, review, and subscribe and tell your buddies about us too. That goes a long way. If you want to further elevate your support, check out our Mark Safe Patreon page where we have shout outs, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and as always, stay safe.